Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner in sunny Cincinnati. Don't stare at the camera like that. You look like a freak. Anyway, um, catch an early buzz. Over the weekend, we saw a movie together. It's the first time I've been in a movie theater in a long time. And I asked you if they'd innovated on theaters at all because the last time I went, it's kind of shit. Food is expensive. Chairs are uncomfortable. Whatever. You could, like, lay them all the way back now. And yeah, they're, like, they little lazy boys. Yeah. That was hot. Was I was nice. a big fan of that movie that's watching not every experience. Theater, though. I hadn't actually been to one that had recliners, so that's why I didn't know that there was recliners. I was a huge fan of it. Huge yeah. fan of it. We saw everything everywhere all at once, which has been talked about as like this movie of the year. And it I think it met that expectation in terms of execution. I thought that there was a layer of comedy that appealed to five year olds that I think pulled me out of what was a well-executed plot line and a well-executed movie but there are a handful of jokes that like they intentionally made that made some people in the theater laugh that maybe have like the it's just like it's just like some of the jokes in there just aren't funny and yeah, I agree. when you try on a joke that is not funny because it's like way too young and shallow of humor i do think that can pull me out of like what's already been a really good movie but i think overall it, it, it exceeded my expectations, and I think it's worthy of the hype. Definitely a well-executed movie on a very complex idea, so I was a fan. Yeah, I loved it, truthfully. Um, i definitely watch it again. It's a very intricate movie. Yeah. But I agree with the like, comedic aspect. They took it a little too far at times. Yeah. Some of the jokes were good. Some yeah. of the jokes were good. But yeah. Some of them were also pretty shit. But I was, I was, I was impressed. I was impressed. And it was a good, it was a good movie-watching experience. I hadn't been in movies in a long time. Uh, the other thing on the Catch and Really Buzz. So on Thursday was my birthday, and turned the big 28. Big shout out to George Chahuri, who got everyone or a lot of the people I'm friends with here at PFF together to have some drinks and some tacos at Bar Seso down here in Cincinnati. Big shout out to Bar Seso. Um, flew a little close to the sun. Uh, I wasn't there, sadly. I didn't get to, I didn't get to partake as much as I would God, like. I, I just, but. you know, I was drinking a lot. Margaritas, Coronas, all that stuff. Where'd you all go? Where else did you all go? So I didn't go far. Okay. We stayed at Barcesa for most of it because it started down, like, poor, okay. like, a ton. And the last, one of the last few things I do, like, clear cut, remember? It was a bit of a brownout. Um, I ordered 10 shots of tequila. That'll do Casamigos it. Casamigos Blanco. And it, it took me down a peg. And then from there, I remember everyone was walking to Pins, which is a duck pin bowling place down here in Cincinnati, through the rain, by the way. It was like raining mm -hmm. endlessly. And this homeless guy asked me for money, and we're right by the pizza place, right by um, Barceso, the Goodfellas, or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't have any money, but I can buy some pizza. And then like, I don't really hear what he says. And I just get on this like drunken craze of buying this homeless guy pizza. So I buy like $50 worth of pizza and water bottles, come out, and I hand it to him, and he says, I don't want pizza or the water. So I ended up like getting kind of upset and like giving the water to these people that were like sober next to me and they didn't want them either. So I ended up entering pins in a bad place. And then I left pins at Irish goodbye style and ended up in a dark place, but we woke up and we, we rallied that this is 28 is kind of what I've been saying. Yeah. This is 28. That sounds, that sounds like a good birthday. Um, but yeah, you should, you should probably should not have Fresh of listed. You should just give the money to the guy if you want to no, help out. The but house. I don't have any cash. That's a, the oh, thing that about, is the thing. About, I, I've talked about you this a thousand times. Yeah. I, I see so many homeless people because I walk to work. I walked to work in Cincinnati for five years now. I see a lot of the same homeless people, and they're always in the same spots asking for money. I don't ever have cash on me, but there are times where I'm feeling generous or have time. I'm like, I'll get you some food. And when I'm sober, there's been a lot of times they're like, Yeah, I don't want any food. It's like, Okay, cool. I won't get you food. But this time I was drunk, and maybe I didn't freaking hear him. And then. I get him like a fuckload of pizza and waters. And how are you? I don't. I'm not trying to question homeless decision making, but like, 
I, I honestly kind of understand food in some ways because like you, there's been like, like those stories about people who are like trying to like poison homeless food and stuff. But like, if you just bought it and I bought like these unopened water bottles, I just don't know how you're turning it down. So I was a little frustrated by that experience. Hmm. Maybe you wanted drugs. Well, you could have sold the water. Like there's other <laughs> options. Like they, it's, I don't see a situation where like turning down the pizza and the water gets you nowhere. It gets you less than where you were. Like sell the pizza to another homeless purple, that person that has some drugs or some cigs or something. I don't know. Anyway. I was trying to be generous on my birthday and ended up just being like a little bit of a drunken craze. But here we are. Here we are um, on the Catch and Only Buzz, onto the fun to read and save your life segments. Um, before we get into those, can I actually bring up a proud sponsor of this podcast? Yeah. It's Manscaped. They're back. They continue to come back. They continue to support Tailgate. And the read this, this time is absolutely sensational. Um, sweaty Sack Summer, Triple S, is approaching, and it's time for you to prioritize the comfort of your crotch. I like the start of this read. That's why the kings of crotch comfort, Manscaped, have spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. I've had the honor of testing out these new boxers. I'm actually wearing them right now, I think. I actually don't know. No, no, no I'm not. <laughs> I have worn them before. They are great. I've had the honor of testing out these new boxers, and I can say it's the softest fabric of any underwear. That's true. So breathable. It's like gills for my groin. What? Come on. That's not a thing. So breathable, it's like gills for my groin. They even trademark they even trademarked the jewel pouch, so you know it's serious. This is an incredible read. It's time for you to invest in your family jewels or the jewel pouch. So let's let your bulge breathe and get 20% off and free shipping by using code PFF at manscaped.com. Dads, buy this for yourself. Sons, buy this for you and your dad. Ladies. Buy this for your man and dog dads. You deserve this treat too. This is freaking incredible. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. Once the boxers 2.0 touch your sack, what do you think the ends with? You'll never go, go back. back. Wow. Once the boxers 2.0 touch your sack in the midst of a sweaty sack sum, you'll never go back. Sweaty sack sum doesn't have to be that way. It can be that way. It doesn't have to. It's aggressive, but sweaty sack summer onto the fun to read. I, we didn't really have anything fun to read. They, you wanted to bring up some guy who's getting like absolutely just sent a bunch of unhinged tweets. I don't know you who this guy it. is. You, well, so this was all over Twitter the other day. Okay, is the Mark Haynes is the is a beat writer for the Golden State Warriors. Okay, and he had. The biggest litany of bad tweets I've ever seen, like, dug up. You know how people get, like, a few tweets dug up? Oh, he has an apology out four hours ago. He had an absolute treasure trove from Oh, I didn't know this guy was that big. Yeah, from, like, 2010 to 2012. This is a verified account. He's, as an actual follower, I think he had, like, 10,000 followers oh my prior God. to, said canceling. But it's not really canceling, because this was out of control, some of these. Uh... Do you have any we're highlights? Not bring, no, we're not, I, I don't even think there's any we should really bring up because they get they go to some dark places here. But I don't know. Some of them, if you want to read them, some of them are just like really bad taste and not necessarily slur driven. Yeah, but some of them are also slur driven. Yeah. So it's no, okay, this one's great. Okay, what? I bet Oprah freak. Come on. Yeah, that's pretty good. That was not. That was that, not. That you was take that up for me, for that me, and I will be proud of that one. But the fact that he's still that this still happens in 2022. My Sunday school teacher taught me the true meaning of missionary. Some of these are actually decent. Like the slur driven ones are obviously awful. You know, you're a freak when you moan 
while eating chicken nuggets. Like these are just kind of like really good content. Don't highlight. I know you're on YouTube now, Quinn. Don't highlight the slurs. Like obviously those are fucking awful. But like the this white chicken has the biggest camel toe I've ever seen. These are kind of incredible. They're they're they cover pretty much all bases. But a 69 to me is head to head combat. Let's see who can make the other come first. I thought this was a parody account. How is Mark Haynes? That in his bag on all these things. So much of them are horny. Like he's kind of just a horny motherfucker. A horn dog, for sure. <laughs> that was that was perfectly evident through these. But I, I just bet don't know Oprah how is a freak is literally my favorite. Anyone in the media space cannot have either started a new account or at some point deleted all your tweets because this is like the hundredth time this has happened. After each one, you have to like think to yourself, do I have bad tweets? Have I put anything out there yeah. that I might regret? And go back. And it's so easy to delete old tweets. You just there's like apps that will do it for you. Oh, really? And for him to just sounds like you've been on a little spray. No, I've actually I actually so what I did when I started PFF, I had a personal account. Don't go look this up, but I ended up deleting that one and then starting a new one. Okay. Just because I knew that maybe there were things out there that might not look the best in retrospect. So I think for him, might what the struggle was really is that like though. he could have come you know Twitter search slurs and got a couple of these. But like the, some of these are just like un don't yeah. don't mean to be rude, but you can't have my dick. Like, what do you search in there? You know what I mean? Some of these are watching this soft porn. They good actors, not really. Like, I don't even know <laughs> if I tweeted that. I don't even know what the keyword is. Really, that's that's tough. Now the the ones where he has slurs, obviously, it's like, dude, how'd you not clean that up? And why'd you say it in the first place? But some of these other ones, man, it's just like horny on the timeline. You kind of got to respect it. Um, I'm glad actually we talked about this because I had not explored. I, when you first sent it to me. I was like, okay, I don't want to see another guy who just tweet out a bunch of fucking slurs. You know no. what I mean? Like everyone, it like all the insane. other times this has happened. But when you scroll through them, there's a decent amount here. That's uh, that's just like legit comedy. So I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the com comedic play of it. Um, next one here. This is the Savior Likes. I think 49ers Talanoa Hufanga is going to have a solid season. 1,800 likes. The worst I've ever seen in terms of people actually liking this. 1,800 people just thought a guy who's going to have a solid season is worth. It's the image, right? And it's not even their image. Like That's obviously from like an NFL account yeah. or something. This it's is a sad state this, of affairs. I mean, it is a guy who writes for a 49ers site, right? And so you're going to play to the base. It's like riling him up. Oh, yeah, I think Telenoa Hufango is going to have a good season too. Yeah. Hell, yeah. But So that's a common social media play. PFF underscore fantasy on May 21st said drop a like if Justin Fields is going to go off this season and it's a cool picture of Justin Fields. Like it's just common. Like it's it's an engagement chaser that like I you have to respect. Like as we continue to like those tweets, yeah. which what PFF underscore fantasy and what that 49ers guy is doing is just surfacing a cool photo of one of your guys, like one of your favorite players. As you it's continue like, to like those tweets, they're going to be what they send. Yeah, it's, it's just a danger like approach. Trump at a rally saying liberals suck. It's like everyone's going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah they do. I don't that's, know Trump as much true. as you do, but mm. I haven't been to a rally. This is from if Dallas gets, or this is from Jason LT. If Dallas gets hot from three for one more stretch, they'll win. If they stay cold, Golden State will win. Those are my favorite. Those are good drop your like or save your like tier. And that that's a when, Magic Johnson tier tweet. Yes. Yeah. If they play well, they'll win. They don't. They're not going to win. They're going to lose. That's mm. describing how sports work. Yes. Can we talk a little bit about NBA and how the Warriors are up 3-0 on Luka's No, I, I ceased to be an NBA fan after the Bucks lost. I'm so happy. The Warriors, my Warriors, are the favorite to win the NBA championship at minus yeah, 155. They should. Let's freaking go. It's the depth. Kayvon Looney. Otto Porter Jr. gave good minutes before getting hurt. 
Then you got Juan Toscano Anderson from Castro Valley High, where I went, making plays too. So Warriors are just too deep to apologize. All right. Uh, I think I have one more read to get to. This one I don't think has any summer or sweat sacks attached. The Tailgate Podcast is brought to you by Cash App. Cash App is the easiest way to send, spend, and save your money. You can send or request money for your friends from your friends when they owe you for dinner, drinks, or literally anything. Besides just sending money back and forth, with Cash App, you can invest in stocks with as little as $1 as well as buy, sell, and send Bitcoin instantly. Cash App also lets you design your own debit card completely free to spend money anywhere you'd like. Cash App will laser print it and mail it to you all for free. And the card comes with free discounts at your favorite places called Boosts. Sign up for Cash App today. Use referral code TOUCHDOWN, which gives you new users 15 bucks. That's promo code TOUCHDOWN, T-O-U-C-H-D-O-W-N, for 15 free dollars. I like that Cash App is creating a unique promo code for probably the football podcast that they sponsor. So they don't have to necessarily measure the company's individual impact or the tailgate podcast's individual impact, but rather like, hey, we've put money into this football pool. Let's see if this football audience, I, I like that strategy. It's not as specific, but it allows mm-hmm. you to kind of approach it in a larger sense. All right. We decided to look at the top five and bottom five units or position groups in the NFL. Yes. Um, should we go your top five, my top five, then your bottom five, my bottom five for quarterback to start? Sure. Either way. Go ahead and read them all. All right. My top five QBs in the NFL. One, Green Bay Packers, that top first quarterback group in the NFL. That's a disaster. I mean, quarterback group is quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. So, yes, the two-time reigning MVP is the top quarterback in the NFL. You hate to see it. Uh, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, number two. Tom Brady, number three. Joe Burrow, four. Justin Herbert, five. How are you putting Burrow and Herbert over Josh Allen? How? What do you mean? They were better than him last year. I, I think people are going to be really upset at that. I, okay, so Josh Allen, electric playoffs, nine, all time. But like people forgot that like he lost to the Jaguars. He had some bad games last yeah, year. Yeah. Uh, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow are feasibly getting better. Josh Allen wasn't even Josh Allen until year three. Those guys are going into year three and have already outperformed him in year two. Joe Burrow was the highest graded quarterback in all of football last year. And Justin Herbert was higher graded than Josh Allen as well. Just neither of them had... Or at least Justin Herbert definitely didn't have the defense that I think people were going to come for your neck there. I'm just saying, I, I that's where I would go. I would take those guys for Josh Allen. At this See, I, I approach it the same way. It's like, who would I take for next season only, right? Mm-hmm. Not starting a team or starting that's a franchise, here, right? Yeah. I, I would take Mahomes. I put him at one. Then I would take Josh Allen at two. Take those Josh are... Allen above Aaron Rodgers right now. Yeah. Back-to-back MVP Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Okay. Then I would take Aaron Rodgers. Then I would take Brady, and then I would take Herbert. Which this my list, leaving off Joe Burrow. But like, I think Burrow is in this fringe top five. Who do I want next season? Right? I think Josh Allen's firmly in everyone's top five. I don't know. I think he's more of the consensus top five quarterback. But I, at the same time, I I see what you're saying. And Aaron Rodgers, I think, is still a phenomenal quarterback. But I think I'm taking Josh Allen over him. I'm sorry. What would be your reasoning for saying that the guy who's played better for two years? You think he's on the downside? You think he's getting yeah, worse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think Aaron Rodgers is more yeah. likely to be. I think Josh Allen's going to grade better than Aaron Rodgers next year. Okay, All right. that's where my head's at. All right, bottom five, go. My bottom five. The order here, it's tight. I went so dead last, Seattle. Second to last, Carolina. So that'd be obviously Drew Locke or Geno Smith. Carolina, 31st, which would be Sam Darnold. 30th, Atlanta, Marcus Mariota. And 29th, Pittsburgh. I mean, I think that's Mitch Trubisky going to be the starter there. Or Kenny Pickett, 28th, 
uh, Houston with Davis, the Neck Mills. I think I have a similar list. This one's tough because, like, it kind of, you know, who would you take? None of these guys here. Yeah. You're never going to be forced to take one of these guys. But um, I put Mitchell Trubisky, 28, so assuming that he wins. Then I put Davis, the Neck Mills. Then Marcus Marriott at 30. Um, Carolina, the same as you had it, 31. And then Seattle at 32. So Darnold, then Geno Smith slash Drew Locke. I mean, all of these situations are rough. I think where what situation would I rather have or would want to have the most probably like Seattle or Atlanta because they didn't invest significantly but like you also think about one of the worst quarterback situations is Washington right like what they've invested and I don't think it's going to push them over the needle well it's like yeah but Wentz is still going to take him over these guys but I think it was a situation I thought about when I was thinking about bottom five because they're just in a tough spot they're in a tough spot with the investment they made in Carson Wentz if it doesn't pan out they're going to to me this is not yeah cap related this is not age related this is just what do I want going in and I think you're thinking about that from pure how they're going to play perform on a football field I think that's fair yeah all right next is running back room or no we did receiving we didn't we ignored running back room we that's didn't fair shit about it's hard room. receiving room uh, i'll go first this time i put i put the cincinnati Bengals one okay i love the depth and i think hard to argue t higgins jamar i think last year you even saw it right like they could be the top yeah. receiving core in the nfl t higgins tyler boyd and jamar chase obviously and then at number two i put miami um, that's a lot of faith in Jalen Waddle taking this next step, but obviously bringing in Tyreek Hill, who's arguably the best receiver in the NFL. That's going to elevate you pretty good. Philadelphia. Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown is a phenomenal pairing, and I like that for the future too. Uh, I'm excited by that pairing. I put them at three. Then I put Vegas at four. Um, Devontae Adams immediately elevates that group, but I also really like Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. Um, and then at five, this one's sneaky, but Los Angeles Rams with Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. And then they still okay. – I, I, li- I like them a lot. I, I think – Allen Robinson signing is going to be one of the more underrated ones. Like, I think that's a huge win for Los Angeles and Matthew Stafford. And I didn't put Tampa Bay in here intentionally. And in I think they're getting a lot of, like, grandfathered in love. But I would take Cup and Robinson over, you know. Um, Evans and Godwin. Ed, Evans and Godwin. I think Godwin that's coming good. off injury. Especially with Tampa Bay losing A.J. Brown and Rob Gronkowski. Right? I think, I mean, now it's tough to even have that. Russell Gage, though, is a better number three true, than anything true. that the Rams have, in my opinion. So that I, I have. I did forget Bay about Russell Gage, to be fair. <laughs> I have uh, Tampa Bay in my top five. I went Miami one, Cincinnati two. However, you want to order those, I'm not going to argue too hard if you want Cincinnati ahead because, I mean, Chase is 21 last year, mm-hmm. Teagans was 22. <laughs> you know, those guys yeah. were outstanding at that age to where they can still improve. So, yeah, I could see them being number one this year. Um, but to me, it's either Miami or Cincinnati at number one. I don't think there's an argument that I would make for anyone else. Then Philadelphia at number three with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and then they obviously have the add-on of a real deal tight end in Dallas Goddard that those number one number two and some of these teams on this list do not have. Number four, I went with the Raiders, like you had. And then number five, I've leaned Bucks over Rams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think the number three wide receiver there tipping the scales towards Tempe, in my opinion. Another receiving core that I had in consideration here, or two others, and I'd be interested in your thoughts, is the Chargers and the Bills. Chargers, because I really still like Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, the fact that they still have both those receivers okay. is great. If they added a receiver in the draft that I was excited about, I think it would have been elevating him into this top five tier. But I also really like Josh Palmer still, and they're still trying, you know, yeah. giving him a run. And then the others, the, the Bills, I think Stefan Diggs already gives you this leg up, and then a lot of people expect Gabriel Davis to take this step as well. So I don't know. I, I was See, considering six, other, those other ones. My number six would have been the 49ers, but 
Debo Samuel that throws a wrench into it because obviously Debo, Kittle, Ayuk, I just really like that trio. And That's a good call. So that would have been my sixth, but I don't know where Debo Samuel is going to fall in the whole pantheon of his trade requests. Bottom five for me, I have – you could have put in my bottom five Arizona – before while DeAndre Hopkins is suspended, thinking about that a little bit, but I didn't, I didn't include them for whatever reason. The Atlanta Falcons at 28, you could argue lower. Like you're the reason they're 28 and not like 32 is because of Kyle Pitts, honestly. Then 29, I have Houston. I have them. I think that that might be a bit low because I think Brandon cooks is still really good. Baltimore at 30. And I think of anyone that could be lower, I think it could be Baltimore because I worry, man, they're putting so much on Rashad Bateman taking this step that, but I, I include tight ends in this. Uh-huh. So then you have Mark Andrews, one of the best tight ends in the NFL yeah, as well. True. So. 31, I have Green Bay for obvious reasons. Then Chicago, man, at 32. I do not like the Chicago receiving core. I don't like the tight ends. I don't like, I don't like Darnell Mooney as my one. Losing Allen Robinson is going to stink. Yeah. Um, re- and I'm Bolton 31 because I believe in Sammy Watkins. I said it a little bit. I believe in Sammy Watkins being better than he's, he's billed as. Yeah, so I have four of the same teams, but I am a little higher on Atlanta than you are because okay. uh, I think Kyle Pitts is that good, and I think there's – potential you know you have drake london cal pitts there could be they could be good whereas for the team i put here jacksonville the jaguars at 28 i, I don't see like the potential like these guys kind of are who they are and it's just not a lot of difference makers in this receiving core so you kind of got just got a lot of you got a lot of wide receiver threes in my opinion mm-hmm. you got a you know you probably have like five wide receiver threes on this team which in my opinion is just not a good receiving core so i have them at 28 baltimore at 29 Houston at 30, and then I went Chicago at 31 and Green Bay at 32. I I don't see how anyone has a worse receiving core of the Packers. At least Darnell Mooney is a proven commodity. He went for over 1,000 yards last year. The Packers have nothing in that regard. Sammy Watkins, your most proven commodity, but he's obviously – Randall Cobb? Multiple injuries. No, this Packers downside. receiving core is yeah. bad. It's yeah. it's really bad. Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Amari Rodgers, Dewan Rinfrey, Sammy Watkins, and obviously Christian Watson, Romeo mm-hmm. Dubs maybe is getting into the mix, but – that's scary, man. That's it scary. Is. They also still have the big dog, who is the most fun to one fun to most watch, fun to watch player, player in the in NFL, the NFL <laughs> according to random Packers fans. Um, all right, on the offensive line, go ahead and give me your top five. All right, my top five: Philadelphia at one, Cleveland at two, and this one maybe this one's a little bit of a projection, mm-hmm. going out there thinking everything's going to gel and come together. But Detroit at three, Tampa Bay four. Green Bay at five Mm -hmm. and obviously Green Bay big big health red flags there but fully healthy back to the performance we saw from the last time David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins were healthy that's top five line I have Philadelphia one I agree with you there Mm -hmm. I'm a lot higher on Tampa Bay okay like I think I might be sipping the Kool-Aid a little bit I'm a lot I'm really high on Tristan Wirfs and I think what they did to replace what they lost and getting Shaq Mason for a fifth-round pick, and then the competition between Aaron Stinney and Luke Gedeke, I think is I, I think they're going to be solid there. And then you still have Ryan Jensen. You brought him back. And Donovan yeah. Smith has improved a lot over the last two years. Like this, That is a lot of credit to Brady coming back. You don't get Jensen back without Brady coming back. And you probably don't get aggressive in trading for Shaq Mason without that. But like it's a real credit to Tempe's front office and still maintaining, at worst, a top-five offensive line after mm-hmm. losing Kappa and Marpet in the same offseason. That, and potentially Jensen on the free agent market. Yeah. That was impressive from Tampa Bay. Number three, I had your number two team, Cleveland. Then Green Bay at four. And I kept Detroit in the top five for the same reasons you have them high in terms of the projection. Um, but a lot has to hit. So I'm not putting them over Green Bay and Cleveland just yet. 
Okay. Yeah, the Detroit one is the one where I'd say it's obviously a projection, but I, I'm super high on Penny Sewell, like comparing them to Tampa Bay, who you have over mm-hmm. Detroit. Like I would consider that like a walk. I think Penny Sewell is going to take that leap into elite right tackle play, like up there with Tristan Wirfs. And then I like Taylor Decker a lot more than I like Donovan Smith at left tackle. Frank Ragnow is obviously a top three to four center in the NFL. Big V, probably your biggest liability there, and even he's probably a solid guard. And I really, obviously, am a big fan of Jonah Jackson and what he was coming out. So Another offensive line I had in consideration here, and they were part of like this consideration with mm-hmm. De- Detroit as this projection, but Baltimore. I, I like Ooh. Baltimore's offensive line. Ronnie Stanley, obviously. They brought in Morgan Moses. They have Zeitler there, but he's going to compete with Ben Powers and Ben Cleveland. You, you bring in Tyler Linderbaum, the center. I worry about right tackle and you worry about left guard, but I think there's enough competition there. They added Daniel Falele in the fourth. Like, there's enough competition where I think you could get excited about this offensive line being like four fifths complete. And that is for what the offense they want to run. I, I, I do think it's one of the better offensive lines. So, and I, I like the swing player they have in Patrick McCarry, who's played like every position up and down the offensive line. I think it's a deep one, too. The team I had next, I, I would say uh, Dallas, New England, where the you other You always teams have to include those two. Yeah. Those are the other two teams in consideration. Obviously, Dallas has lost a little bit from last year, but it's still firmly in that tier of top-end offensive lines when everyone's healthy. So, Next on our list is the bottom five offensive lines. The worrisome ones. Go ahead. All right, I'm going to kick it off. Jacksonville makes another bottom five. Not great, but, I mean, you lost your best offensive line last year. I get that you replaced. So losing Brandon Linder and replacing him with – I mean, Brand, Brand Linder, Brand Scherf's kind of a wash, in my opinion, in terms of just, like, overall talent along that offensive line. And then, so at that point, they really then didn't upgrade anywhere. Like, mm-hmm. there's no – you're running it back, so to speak, with the offensive line you had last year, which was not great. So, Jacksonville, then Chicago, then Pittsburgh at 30, the Raiders at 31, and then Seattle at 32. Seattle uh, not coming up strong. In any list. In any list here. Mine's very similar. I went Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, Chicago, Vegas, and then Seattle. I think the two I want to read off are Seattle and Las Vegas. So Seattle very well could be starting two rookie offensive tackles. I mean, they should be. And Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas. If yeah. they're not starting Lucas at right tackle, it'll be Jake Curran, who I have not watched a single snap year. of, but he's UDFA last year. On the interior, Damian Lewis, who's been – I mean, is Damian Lewis their best offensive lineman, or is that Gabe Jackson? I don't know. Maybe it's at this Charles point, Cross Jackson's downslide of his yeah. career, too, is the problem. So you have – Charles Cross, Damian Lewis, Austin Blythe, Gabe Jackson, and then Abraham Lucas uh, as your front five. That's scary. And, and having and two like, rookie offensive tackles is scary. Exa- and that's the thing. It's, it's not the worst situation to be in with where they're at in terms of those guys could be good. Yeah. But to expect them to be good year one, and especially when we talk about the air raid tackles, we've said that like a thousand times, that it's going to be a big difference for them. It could be very bad for the CLC. Now for the Raiders, Colt Miller – Easily a top 16 offensive tackle in the NFL, borderline like top 12. Um, but then after that, it, it gets dark. <laughs> uh, guards could be John Simpson, Jermaine Elumunar, and- Andre James, Denzel Good, Dylan Parham. Dylan Parham. Yeah, Dylan Parham's going to be somewhere, Dylan right? Parham. Dylan Parham at one of the guard spots, the third round pick out of Memphis. And, and I then would hope they kick Alex Leatherwood back to right They're going tackle. to. Yeah. That, that, that's yeah. the expectation is that they kick Leatherwood back out to right tackle because Brandon Parker has been a disaster since they traded up for him in the third round uh, in 2018. So that offensive line gives me a lot of pause with the Raiders like being a contender. right? In addition to their division being tough, if there's an Achilles heel, and I think we talked, I talked about this on the NFL podcast, if there's an Achilles heel for this Raiders team, it's that offensive line. 
That offensive line is shit. Like, yeah. legit garbage. You're going to struggle behind that offensive line, even with a Derek Carr that gets the ball out quickly and yeah. can handle that well. It's still just not going to be... It's so not deep, too. Like, in addition to being terrible up front five, like, you lose. If Colt Miller, say, goes Cole down Miller for goes two games, bad. four games, that's going to be a death sentence for this team. Man, you got to hope he stays healthy. And he's been an Iron Man for them. He played through injuries as a rookie. Like, I don't have worries about him getting hurt. But, like, doesn't mean he can't get hurt. Front seven. This one's tougher Dude, to rank. The front seven was the hardest. Now, again, we included linebackers, which made it more difficult. If we just went D-line and then linebackers like, been on their own, it probably would have been easier. But the front sevens... I went out to 12 teams here that I put in consideration that if you put them in the top five, I would really wouldn't argue. Like each each one has some valid argument for why they should be a top five unit. So you kick yours off first, then I'll go through mine. All right. I have just a top five. I put Rams first. A lot of that's Donald. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I mean, put the Rams high. If you ha- took away Donald, they wouldn't be like in the top 20. Yeah. So it, a lot of it, it's Donald. And it's yeah. because... Every single game you can rely on him. It's mm-hmm. because there's no taking him out is the thing. Uh, so, yeah, I, that, they have to be somewhere in the top five. Yeah, I think putting them first is just like love in love with Donald. Maybe that's kind of tough because, like, I don't love Leonard Floyd. I don't love Justin Hollins. Like, their pass rush and losing Von Miller is not going to help them. But, like, Bobby Wagner signed Donald that enough. You know, that's enough for me. To- <laughs> I like their other DTs, though. Like Greg Gaines and Ashawn Robinson are solid interior. Like, they can plug the middle of that defense and basically like so solid against the run and then Donald is a pass rush on his own. Then I had San Francisco at two, Pittsburgh at three, Green Bay at four, and the Los Angeles Chargers at five, who've made significant upgrades bringing in Sebastian Joseph Day and Khalil Mack. Green Bay, I think might have, you could argue Green Bay's one. Like I think there's an argument for Green Bay to be one with Rashawn Gary's ascent, them adding Quay Walker. Um, yeah, I feel like Devontae in, terms Wyatt, of, like, in terms of potential, sure. Yeah, I can see that. And Pittsburgh has to be up there, in my opinion. So that's yeah. where I have him. So I, my number one team, you didn't even have in your top five. No, it's number two, SF. Oh, I'm up, my bad. I'm blind. <laughs> my number one team you had in your top two, actually. <laughs> uh, I have the 49ers at number one. Basically, because depth. I mean, they, they, and I think that's by design and how they approach. But, you know, Charles Menehue is a backup and can win one-on-ones. D Ford, if he's ever healthy, can win on his own. Maurice Hurst if he's healthy can win on so like they have a lot of guys that could win one-on-ones on their own that you know some of these teams don't that we're even talking about top five and then obviously linebacker core fred warner for my money probably the most the biggest difference maker at the linebacker position in the nfl today so that's why they're number one then i went rams number two steelers number three big big part of the steelers ranking at number three relies on stefan to actually coming back healthy and being an impact player that he was prior to uh, obviously missing much time Packers at number four, and then I went maybe a little, little projection here, but the Colts, number five. Because if we're including front seven, they have a great linebacker core in Darius Leonard and Bobby Okereke. They added Yannick Ngakwe. Quiddy Pay year two. Expecting a big step forward from Quiddy Pay in year two, and then obviously Defoe on the inside, one of the best three techs. So I, I would lean them over Washington, who I had here at six in my rankings, just because Washington's linebackers are trash, even if their D-line might be better. Um, Chargers... Same sort story in that their linebackers are just a disaster still. They, I, if I were them, I'd play Derwin James at linebacker this year. Um, Philly, again, great D-line, no linebackers. Uh, I think Buffalo, with all the talent they've had in recent years, with like if those guys take steps. Adding Von Miller, too. Adding Von Miller, that could be an impact D-line. Tampa Bay, Minnesota. I should have had Tampa Bay higher, like Tam- in the five, top five. Tampa I, I, I like Tampa Bay's front seven a lot. Um, 
and if Joe Tryon show Yinka takes a big step forward, like they could be there. Minnesota has really done a good job of revamping that defensive line. And obviously if they can get back healthy, like guys from Zadarius Smith and uh, Daniel Hunter regain the form they were prior to injuries last year, they're a top five unit in New Orleans for similar reasons as well. So there's a lot of teams with a claim, but my top five ended up being 49ers, Rams, Steelers, Packers, Colts. Bottom five, I put Denver at 28, Arizona at 29, Atlanta at 30, Houston at 31, and Seattle at 32. Seattle's in a bad place here. Like, Seattle's in a bad place a lot of places, but their front seven is very, very bad. And it's just been, like, a misallocation of resources and not being able to find, like, legitimate pass rushing talent. Right now, in, on the diva line, it's going to be Daryl Taylor, Puna Ford, Shelby Harris, Uchenin Wosu. Like, it's mm-hmm. awful. And I think Jordan Brooks is probably the best player on their front seven. Maybe Daryl Taylor. Like, even then, though, you're projecting a lot. LJ Collier has not panned out what they wanted him to be. Like, they just don't have any legit pass rushing talent. Now, maybe Boye Mafe, second-round pick out of Minnesota, takes a step. But, like, this is a tough front seven. That is not going to create a lot of pressure next year, yeah. period. Like, they're probably going to rank bottom five in pressure rate in 2022. Yeah, Atlanta, Houston, Seattle is, like, clearly the teams with – you have to give Atlanta 30 because they have Grady Jarrett, right? Yes. Yeah, they have, even Deion Jones, who hasn't been what he was yeah. like four years ago, they is still like not some dodging. impact players, but they are. They also have some complete non-factors as well. I went with Chicago at 28. Now, it was a debate between Arizona and Chicago for 28 for me. Arizona obviously is just J.J. Watt and some young linebackers, but the Bears. Losing Chandler Jones is going to be a hit. It's going to be a hit. Uh, but the Bears is like similar situation where it's Robert Quinn and then I mean, Travis Gibson. You're hoping takes a step forward, like hoping guys, but there's not a lot of hope for that interior defensive line. I like Roquan Smith a lot, though. I kept Chicago. But then Roquan bottom Smith, five. Uh, and then Denver at 29. So I had Chicago, Denver, Atlanta, Houston, and then Seattle at 32. Denver is another one where got to you know Bradley Chubb's got to take a step. They got to see these pass rushers. Draymond Jones, in my opinion, the defensive tackle for Denver is one of the more underrated interior pass rushers. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. he is. He's a guy that can get it done on passing downs. It's just the losing Shelby Harris thing is a factor. Like Shelby Harris was good for that team on, on, on in run yes, defense yes. specifically. So and they have probably bottom three linebackers. Yeah, they, you know they're, they're line, they have a tough linebacker core for the Broncos there. You want to go your top five secondaries and then mine? All right, let's do it. Top five secondaries. Again, I, I went out, I was going through the secondaries. I probably had seven teams that I said that I was debating between for these five spots, but ultimately ended up on this. Ravens at one. Miami. Dolphins at two. Buccaneers three. Packers four. Browns five. Okay. And I had Chargers and Buffalo also in the mix but those are my top five i went tampa bay one i like the 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 veteran of it like they have some they have some like accomplished talent in their secondary that i'm not like projecting at all you know like they have sean murphy bunting who i think has been good in the nickel they have logan ryan now jamel dean carlton davis antoine winfield jr brian you know keanu neal like this secondary is like veteran like in what year four yeah besides your four later, besides Antoine Winfield's year three, and he's probably the best one in the whole secondary. Yeah, so. experienced and good, yeah. which is which is what you want in the secondary. You don't want inexperience in the secondary. And then number two, I put Green Bay, which you had in your top five. Baltimore at three, just like moving Peters down a little bit with the injury injuries. Injuries, yeah, both of them getting hurt. Chargers at four, which I'll always be high on the Chargers, and then they add J.C. Jackson. J.C. Jackson, Derwin James, and Sierra Adderley, like this should hit. 
Um, and then Miami at five. I'm a little bit lower on Miami's secondary. So I like Xavier Howard and I love um, Byron Jones, but I like Javon Holland too. Javon I'm, Holland. Too. Maybe I'm maybe I'm an asshole. They still have him in the top five, but yeah. we'll see. We'll see. I guess I've been worried about the nickel position a little bit. No Igbenogany hasn't stepped up. We'll see if Nick Needham can be anything there. No love for the Browns though. Browns not in your top five. Browns not in my top. See, five. I, I just I just was very high on Greg Newsom. So I see him in like a similar tier to I don't know, the top cornerbacks coming gotcha. out last year. So I, I think year two of him could be special with him and Denzel Ward. We'll see. We will see. Bottom five secondaries. <sighs> Seattle's really going to get pooped yeah. on here again. Well, but. Seattle lost. Um, who they? Who's the outside corner that they did not re-sign? Oh, the one who went to the Jets. Yeah, uh, Reed, DJ Reed, DJ Reed, who then, then tweeted something horrible the other day. What was it? Oh, I don't remember. So they're they're secondary. Oh, oh he tweeted. Oh, okay. I'll go find it. You talk about the secondary. I'll Seattle. Seattle comes in last. So I'll read my bottom five first. It's Arizona, New England, Las Vegas, who is rough right now, especially after losing Casey Hayward. They needed that James Bradbury signing. Houston at thirty-one, and then Seattle thirty-two. Which I think you could argue you could flip Houston and Seattle. Houston's secondary is shit. They did add Jalen Petrie and Derek Stingley Jr., so maybe that gives you hope. But the Seattle secondary is Trey Brown, Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, Cindy Jones, and Justin Coleman. They did bring in Kobe Bryant, the Cincinnati cornerback, in the fourth round, but that is a, that is a rough secondary. That's going to get exposed on the back end, and it's not anywhere near deep as it needs to be. Um, maybe Tariq Woolen develops, but it won't be a year one thing, I don't think. We'll see where Seattle ends up. What did he tweet? Oh, we can't find it. It was so dumb. It was bad. Read your bottom five secondary. All right, I'll read Tell me why Vegas isn't lower. Trayvon Merrig? Merrig, like Rockison and Trayvon Mullen are not dumpster fires, in my opinion. But they are 28th on my. So Las Vegas at 28. I have the Patriots, 29. The Steelers at 30. Texans, 31. And then Seattle at 32. Uh, you didn't have the Steelers. I'm a little curious. Like, they have a lot of... They have a lot of provenly average guys is the thing. Like there's no Which is what you want. I, I have right? the mm, I have them there because there's no like I don't want to say there's no upside, but like there's no I don't see the next step with a lot of these guys. You just know it's not gonna be good. Whereas yeah. other teams like Las Vegas, like Mayor could turn into an impact player, Rockyston's still young, could be ascending. Arizona, like Byron Murphy could take a step forward. They have young safeties, Jalen Thompson that I think could improve like there's reason for hope whereas pittsburgh you kind of just know what it's going to be and it's not going to be ideal you're going to have to you got minka one of the best safeties in the NFL. outside of minka like minka's great and they also have demonte casey former san diego state legend which is always going to offer you depth carl joseph former raider legend I and mean, it's tough to really knock them for their depth levi wallace is always someone i've been higher on than that media average as well but i agree it's not great yeah. um i wouldn't put it in the top 10 top 15 but i had other secondaries lower I think that's going to do it for the unit rankings, top five and bottom five. That's going to do it for this I, episode. I found the DJ request. What was DJ. it? He said, serious question. If Elon Musk or Jeff Be Bezos bought an NFL team, would the salary cap still apply to them if they could pay whoever they want? <laughs> that's rough. Poor DJ Reed. Oh, dude. It's yeah. okay. It's, 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's not your fault, Will. It's not your fault. Um, uh. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Tailgate. Next episode is going to come out Wednesday, but we are recording it tomorrow because Mike is going on vacation. Where are you going? Chicago. Chicago for the boys? or Yeah. Is it going to be a lad trip? Uh, no, but uh, go visit my brother, gotcha. my nephews. 
Well, have a good time. Have a good time. We'll be, I'll, I'll hold down the fort. Yeah. I'll hold down the fort. Until next time, Oscar Gale, Mike Renner, tailgate.